1: Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. This is Friday of Army Week, and our producer, Chris Cervello, and I, he's not bringing us old man radio today. He is the navigator, I am the driver, and we are on the New Jersey Turnpike, about 45 minutes away from the promised land. That is MetLife Stadium, the scene for tomorrow's Army-Navy game, brought to you on CBS And the scene where we will be singing second. Speaking of singing second, what a great night in the pool last night at Lejeune with Vice Admiral Buck in attendance. And we're going to be hearing from him, among others today, um, a great, great pod that includes Jen Baker, the athletic director at Johns Hopkins, Kylie Sullivan, the assistant women's golf coach, Vice Admiral Buck, and more. But let's get into what happened last night with Vice Admiral Buck in attendance Men's and women swimming and diving took it to the Black Knights. The mules indeed do not do well in pools. The women's team, which is now 7 and 1, recorded a 230 to 70 ash shellacking, which was just, it had to be unbelievably awesome to watch. Vice Admiral Buck, as you'll hear in our interview, was there and said that he had never heard Lejeune that loud, rowdy gains in attendance doing the play by play. And the women, as they've done for 33 straight years now, beat Army and got the N-Star. The men had a bit tougher of a time, but they tallied a 158 to 142 victory over Army in the pool. That is their 31st straight victory over Army. This is, you know, like going back to the days of Notre Dame versus Navy when we had lost to Notre Dame so many years in a row, this is getting there. Um, swimming and diving just dominates, and they did it again last night. And now they have taken for the fall season Navy's overall star record against Army to eight and one. They are eleven and one against Army in all competitions. But most importantly for the N stars, they are eight and one—a sign of success. What can make that better? Taking it to nine and one by us beating Army tomorrow at MetLife Stadium. So without any further ado, let's talk to the people who think that's gonna happen. We're gonna go to break. When we come back, we'll have our first guest. This is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our
0: sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 Burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports Podcast.
1: Now back to the pod. All right, hey, hey everyone, we are back. Uh, This, the final uh, episode of our Army Week daily pod extravaganza and who better to talk to to finish off all the great interviews and all the great coverage this week than vice admiral sean buck friend of the pod former shipmate uh with uh cervello and myself from the the very dark days um of admiral Sustack, but that's a story for another day uh first of all uh admiral buck thank you so much for joining the pod it's great to talk to you and and secondly Walk me through. I think we're both on the New Jersey Turnpike right now. You're driving up. You've got the gala tonight and then the game tomorrow. Are you ready for what the next 48 hours uh, are going to bring for you?
2: Hey, John. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having us back. Absolutely. I'm more than ready. And everybody else is more than ready. Navy is conquering the uh, New Jersey Turnpike right now. We are coming in force and ready to kick some ass. So what we'll do... (laughs) <laughs> I like to hear. Go ahead, sir. What we'll do, we'll, uh, we're going to be in a, a big room tonight at the very historic Ellis Island immigration buildings that has such great history for the beginning of our nation. We will be very kind and gentle and respectful to one another tonight. We're both going to be together celebrating what is America's game and what is good and about both of our academies and both of our services and our country. And then we'll, uh, as we exit that building tonight, we'll begin to eye each other, give a little stink eye, begin to put the game face on, get a good night's rest, and then tomorrow game on. Game on indeed, sir. So we talked about
1: this a little bit last year, but in case people missed that interview, walk me through your four years as a student at the Naval Academy. What was your record against Army and what was your most endearing
2: memory of the matchups? So my particular record, I'm the member of the class of 1983. So from 1979 through the 1982 game, we were 3-0-1. and uh, the, the, the one tie was a 3-3 miserable experience for everybody involved. It was known as the ice bowl. Uh, the, the ice covered the entire field. All of the cadets, all of the midshipmen, all the fans. We were covered in ice. We were miserably cold, and then we played to a very unsatisfactory three-three tie. Uh, so we try to put that one out of our memory bank. But uh, otherwise, I enjoyed a very thrilling three-three and zero uh, victories over Army. I uh, I went as a plebe to what I believe was the old Franklin Field before Veterans Stadium. Yeah, it was a a U-shaped uh, horseshoe-like stadium, very classic where the Army-Navy game had been played there for decades and decades and decades. It was quite an experience. The one memory I take from that, John, is Army brought the, a Trojan horse. They had manufactured this Trojan horse that was about 30 feet tall. It was a wheeled vehicle. They brought it onto the track that went around that football field. And all of a sudden, the bottom opened up and out came about 30 cadets. And they stormed the stands where all of us Navy midshipmen were sitting. And while we stood there in shock and awe for about a minute, then all of a sudden we reacted. And it was game on in the stands, probably a little bit more violently than game on on the field. See, usually they use pillowcases filled with like quarters and
1: things like that. If I remember my time at
2: West Point accurately
1: enough. Well, let's let's transition a little bit because you're driving up the turnpike, you know, with a pretty good taste in your mouth, I would hope after, you know, what I like to call and I'm going to try to copyright this. But, you know, I'm using the saying the mules don't do very well in pools. And that's with Navy swimming and diving men's and women's last night with rowdy Gaines calling the action, taking it to West Point, defeating them for the 31st time and 33rd time uh, 31st for the men and 33rd for the women. The men made it a little bit close. The women absolutely trounced them. That puts Navy now 11-1 and one against Army in all sports this fall, 8-1 and one in the star competitions. That's your metric and Chet's metric of success, right? Like, we, we talk about the physical mission. We talk about the importance of the competitions they get. But in the end, we want end stars, and
2: we're doing pretty well this fall. We're doing real well. Very, very well. You got those statistics spot on. What a thrilling night last night to watch the men and the women, both in the swim lanes and over in the dive pool. And uh, we decisively won. It was, it was ours from the start. A couple of real close finishes where we didn't quite get the, the first place there. But when you looked at the final point tally, we, uh, we had it in hand, as we should, being sailors and mariners and experts in the water. And yes, I love your coined phrase. Mules do not do well in the pool. Neither neither do they do well on the gridiron.
0: Sir, uh, before John takes it out, I want to ask you just one quick question. When uh, I had the opportunity to chat briefly with you a few weeks ago at a home game, I asked you how things were going. And, you know, with a big smile on your face, you said, we're back. Um, Can you share that feeling with our audience and what it is meant to bring, uh, you know, Naval Academy Sports the brigade and and all of uh, us grads kind of back to
2: quasi normal coming out of what was a a very tough year for you and the staff last year. Yeah, Chris, you know, we both academies were very proud last year to, to uh, persevere and push through with athletics to the greatest extent possible. But even through our best efforts, a lot of our athletic teams had truncated seasons we were constrained by, uh, by a lot of COVID rules of whether we could have fans and family in the stands cheering us on or even to have the brigade, for that matter. And, and now what I mean by that, what, what I meant by that when I talked to you was we're fully back. Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium has enjoyed 30,000-plus fans in the stands for Navy football. If you were at the Army-Navy swim meet last night in Le Journe, it was a packed house. I've never heard it louder ever in that auditorium for the, uh, for the swimming. All of our athletic teams that have been in season during the fall have played full schedules with full rosters with very little uh, fear and COVID constraints, and they have definitely performed well in their respective sports and having winning seasons. So I know that sounds weird to celebrate normal, but when you have so many things that you're used to, that you depend on, that you'll love, to get them back, we're definitely in a celebratory mode. And I know Army and I know Navy could not be more proud to continue to play America's game in front of the public, uh, both nationally and all, all around the world.
1: Yeah, it, it, it said so well there, sir. And, and I'll tell you, we've been talking to athletes this week. In particular, I was struck. Uh, by talking to uh, plebe striking sensation Alexa Riddle from the Navy Women's Soccer Team, and she was talking about how much she was looking forward to the Army Week pranks. She sounded so refreshed at how normal, you know, her plebe year has been as compared to what her youngsters had to go through, or even her, you know, her upper class uh, who, you know, lost a majority of the last year and a half. She was really refreshed by that. So we are similarly excited, and we think that the athletes. Are actually enjoying so so good of a morale, who's based on the normal that we discussed that it's actually resulting in an eleven and one record in all competitions and an eight and one record in stars. So, as I let you take this out, I'll just ask you: speaking of pranks or speaking of prop bets, have you been talking to Lieutenant General Williams about a side bet between the two of you? What's your plan for uh, game day? Are you gonna? you know, hang out and have a collegial, you know, like, you know, hot chocolate, although it's going to be 60 and raining. Uh, What's your plan with uh, General Williams to try to make this a little bit more interesting?
2: We will have a collegial evening tonight, a very respectful evening tonight. Enjoy each other's company and uh, relish in the pride that we all feel for serving in the military and leading our respective academies. But tomorrow, there will be very little collegiality for about three hours when we take the field. We'll stare each other down, and then I will very, very proudly walk up to him after we've kicked their ass tomorrow, shake his hand, and said, thanks for a great game.
1: Sir, uh, as we go out, um, we
2: uh, talked to uh, Commander Brian Broadwater yesterday.
1: Uh, we, uh, we talked at length about what was so special about the SEAL Team 8 CEO, uh, Brian Bourgeois, Uh, who just lost his life due to a tragic accident. And Commander Broadwater was walking us through some of the things planned to honor his life tomorrow. Um, It it is just a sign of what a first-class rivalry this is and what a first-class institution you are currently the superintendent of. You know, as we go out, just let us know your thoughts on on what's going to happen tomorrow to honor
2: his life and what your thoughts were when you heard the news. Very, very tragic loss of of a great shipmate, a great alum, a great patriot to this country, a war hero, uh, a fantastic leader. And uh, it will be our absolute honor and privilege to honor his legacy, recognize his loss. And uh, we will all have him in our hearts tomorrow. And I imagine every single one of us, him being a former football player, I imagine Navy football, the whole brotherhood, is extra inspired to play for Brian in his memory.
1: Yes, we will, sir. And uh, I'll tell you what, I really appreciate you taking the time as you're driving north, as we are, too. I think we're a little bit behind. We're going to get into the fast lane and make sure that we can get up there and and share in the collegiality tonight and then get down to business and uh, sing second tomorrow. So, ladies and gentlemen, Vice Admiral Sean Buck, Superintendent of the U.S. Naval Academy, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our next guest.
2: Thanks, gentlemen. Go Navy.
0: For the last several podcasts, if you've heard our guests talk about the great new Army-Navy uniforms that just came out. Well, all the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available by clicking on the shop tab at navysports.com. All of your favorite jerseys, polos, and t-shirts, and the new Army-Navy merchandise is just a click away at navysports.com. And if you're like the Sing Second team, there's always Navy gear and Navy tickets under the tree this time of year. Visit navysports.com backslash tickets to purchase your Navy basketball tickets today. They make the perfect Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, you name it. They make the
1: perfect gift for any Navy fan. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, we are back on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. As always, many thanks to our sponsors in particular for this segment, the Red Red Wine Bar and Dry Five, owned by Brian and Lisa Bolter down there in Main Street. Can you not get up to the Army-Navy game in New York? Why don't you watch the game at Dry Five or Red Red Wine Bar, enjoy a nice glass of Cabernet or an Old Fashioned and a Dry Five Burger, Thank you very much to our sponsors there. So let's get into our alumni segment. And we have a special special treat for you guys today. Joining us from the great class of 1998 is Jennifer Baker. Jennifer is the athletic director at Johns Hopkins University. We were just uh, reminiscing off recording about how much the song of one, two, three, four, five, we want more during lacrosse games can sometimes get on one's nerves. But I'll tell you what. I really wanted this, uh, this listening audience to get to know Jennifer Baker a little bit more. She's a loyal listener of the pod. So Jennifer, number one, thank you so much for being with us. And introduce us to you, to you a little bit more. What did you play when you were at the Naval Academy and what did you do after you graduated?
3: For sure. Um, and so glad to be here. Uh, I'm fangirling a little bit because I have become addicted to your pod, I confess, Um, So appreciate all the awesome work that that you all do. Um, Yeah, so I am class of 98. I think um, for anyone who might be listening who was at the academy in and around that era, my last name then was Dowell. Um, So you might better know me as Dowell. I was in the the Mighty 13th Company um, and played lacrosse. And that was back before the days of uh, Cindy Timschel. So that was back when we were a, a mighty club hoping one day that our program would go varsity and Um, I'm still super close with a bunch of my teammates now, and we are just so proud of where that program has gone. Um, But uh, after graduation, went on to flight school, um, did the pilot thing, got my wings, and then within six months of getting my wings, got mpq would Um, in the Hornet rag on the West Coast. Um, So had to find a new lot in life at that point, um, switched to the Civil Engineer Corps, did two more tours with them, um, and subsequently got out and had done a lot of different things um, in the interim. And I think honestly, when I I look back, I think I was really just trying to find something that fit for me, um, like Navy life did, because I really did enjoy my time um, while I was in. And Thankfully, uh, the lacrosse thing sort of is the through line here. I accidentally, but on purpose, found my way into coaching lacrosse um, really as a hobby. And when I was in grad school, I went, ultimately went to grad school um, later on, but when I was in grad school up at Cornell, uh, I had the opportunity to coach with the women's lacrosse staff up there. And that was really for me what made me realize that I wanted to be in college athletics as a career. So I was fortunate to make a pivot later on in life. Um, Started as a, just by launching a leadership development program for student athletes up at Cornell, um, built that out. That turned into assistant AD, turned into associate AD and uh, wanted to get back to this area. I'm from Baltimore originally. And when I made my way down here, I had a great opportunity to join the staff at Hopkins, never thinking that I would wind up the AD there. Um, but really enjoying the song that you referenced. Um, it's really fun when you score a lot of goals uh, and uh, ultimately had the opportunity to become the AD at Hopkins back in August of 2019. So uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. Um, love it. Definitely found my lane. Um, great, uh, great place to be and uh, just happy to be back in this area and I'm happy to tune into your pod, as I said, because I, I, As you might imagine, my day-to-day is consumed with the results of Hopkins athletics contests, and so it's harder to get to Navy games, um, but certainly still a a huge fan of Navy and always will be for all the obvious reasons. So I really look forward to tuning in every week and getting your insights and keeping up with what's happening, you know, an hour down the road.
1: So give me your favorite memory of that Class of 98 team, you know, led by by our good friend Johan Somar Nelson. Um, you know, stomping through the season, you know, playing a really tough Cal team out in the Aloha Bowl. What are your memories of that 98 team that played very, very well and made your senior year pretty special?
3: Well, we beat Army. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think that alone right there, um, that was, I got to see us beat Army one time while I was there. Um, and being able to be there, um, you know, that year, particularly as a, as a firstie um, was really, really special. And I was in the 13th company on top of that. So I had the, you know, we ran the football up to the game, which was always an incredible experience. And so I had the opportunity to run the football, but when you're a firstie, you get to run the football onto the field, um, and had the opportunity to do that. And I can still picture the rest of that game. I mean, everything went our way that day. Um, well, probably not in retrospect, but in my mind, everything went our way that day. And they have the opportunity to graduate and actually see us beat Army um, was just incredible.
1: Chris.
0: As you have kind of made it um through uh different college programs and then now at Hopkins, what lessons do you take from Navy and share with either your colleagues or the student athletes that you mentor and, and oversee? Um is it the physical mission? Is it the leadership part of the academy? What are you kind of the most proud of that you've taken with you in these leadership roles?
3: Um, a great question. So obviously I think, you know, I give the Naval Academy credit for making me who I am um, in terms of, I think, cementing my core values and teaching me how to lead um, and, and, and what it means to lead um, and particularly what it means to lead from a place of character. Um, and so you know, I mentioned early on when I had the opportunity to really sort of start formally in college athletics administration, I I built a leadership program for all student athletes at Cornell. And that was really a reflection of how I learned leadership and what my experience was to start at the academy. And I think, you know, we have an entire building dedicated to leader development, you know, loose hall, we sit through classes, um, I took it for granted that that was the same way on every campus, and it's really not. And when I reflected on sort of what I thought some of my most important lessons were from the academy, that college athletics gives you that platform to teach those things. And the reality is that they're not students at civilian schools are not necessarily going to learn those things on their own. Um, I think they do much better when there's like a framework put around it. they have this athletic experience which we all know from being part of teams can teach all of those critical life skills and those critical you know skills for leading others and and you know service above self and accountability all the things that sort of are fundamental to an academy experience. And so that was really what I tried to do initially was sort of take the way I had learned leadership and how it had been, I had you know I had been developed early on in my life and put it into an athletic context so that student athletes could benefit from the same. Um, and that really has been the thing I think that's colored my interaction with student athletes more than any others helping them understand that you know talent gets you talent and hard work will, will get your foot in the door and they will enable a certain level of success. but I personally believe that if you really want to operate, kind of at that margin of excellence. You know, when you get to the top two teams who are competing for a national championship, both are talented, both are hardworking, where are your differentiators? And I really believe your differentiators are how you interact with one another and how you share leadership across the board um, and how you're willing to accept responsibility for um, for that moment of leadership or moments of leadership, depending on what it is. And so that's something that I continually message. I think it's a competitive advantage Um, And I think it's one that we can uniquely control and the beauty of it is, is that it doesn't cost us anything. So when I look at the landscape of college athletics right now, and I see how much, uh, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses there is. Um, I, I totally get it, and I understand it. And facilities are important, and you know all of those things. But at the end of the day, if I build a fancy new building, there's going to be a school down the street that also builds a fancy new building. Um, I can't stop them from doing that, but they can't scout the leadership I have on the team. They can't watch film on it. They can't come up with a matchup strategy. And so, I really encourage all of our coaches and student athletes to make the most of that opportunity um, because I think it's what helps us be successful right now, but I also think and know it's what will differentiate our student-athletes wherever they go, um, you know, post-college. And I think that's that's the obligation we owe them. We owe them this opportunity to develop themselves and then go be successful somewhere and, and serve their communities in the ways that are meaningful to them. And so uh, it's a very long-winded way of saying uh, I The leadership component, I think, is more important than anything else. It's what I took from the academy more than anything else, probably. I learned it a lot just from my lacrosse participation there in addition to everything else. And I really try to impart that to the coaches and student athletes with whom I work now.
0: What a great answer. And we're we're so lucky that we get to talk to uh, grads that are either still in or have have made a uh, successful career in the military. But I, I will tell you that The more I'm out of the the Navy, the more I become impressed with people like you, Jen, that are taking those lessons and are are taking what they learned at the Naval Academy and in the time that they served and helping to share them with other young men and women um, outside of the the Naval service. So the work that you're doing up at Hopkins is just phenomenal from, from our standpoint. So that's my little fanboy moment back to you. Um, be, because it's so cool to look uh, and see a Naval Academy grad, even if you're from the class of '99 minus one, uh, up at um, uh, up at Hopkins.
3: Well, thanks. I I, I really appreciate that, and um, I get to work with incredible student athletes and coaches, and I'm really proud of the work that I do with them. But uh, appreciate that perspective.
1: So before we go out, Jen and yeah, we're we're getting joined by Craig Washington, the Alumni Association here. So I'm glad that he can listen to this question to you but how have you looked upon recent events um, with the Naval Academy and, and how has it strengthened your love of your alma mater? You know, the recent selection of yet another Rhodes scholar Uh, here's Kayla Barron, an old track and field star, you know, spacewalking um, out there after recently going up um, as part of the last SpaceX, you know, you've got, you've got all these data points, you've got, you know, ESPN game day there this coming Saturday. And we add, you know, the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show on the yard during Veterans Day, you know, as you as you continue to see these data points of Naval Academy graduates going out and doing things, you know, of consequence, how does it make you look back on your time there and your alma mater altogether?
3: Also a great question. I, I think the answer is twofold. One, it's humbling, because I continue to see what Everybody else is doing that. That comes from there, and certainly there is pride, but also just humility in, in terms of like everybody. Just it's almost like people keep one upping, you know, previous years, and I think um, just to see that is 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 absolutely incredible. But broadly speaking, I people have asked, and I will always say that making the decision to attend the Naval Academy is the single best decision I ever made for myself. Um, And it is one that certainly changed my life. And when I look at all the things the Academy continues to do, I I mean, how can you not look at that and be incredibly proud? But I'm proud because Navy continues to stay core to its mission. It's always been a leadership development institution and it's always had framed within its mission statement around this idea of we're going to lead for others. So it's not just for ourselves. It's not just for you know, a mighty military. But above and beyond that, it's really leading for the good of the world. And when I see the contributions that our alums continue to make, um, the ways in which our midshipmen continue to distinguish themselves, the attention the Academy continues to get. It's not it's not because there's no other football games on Saturday. It's because it's really a special place. And, and what it does is different than most college campuses. Um, and I love to see that continually recognized. Um, you know, the legacy of incredible leaders that come out of that, the legacy of service that comes out of everything that we do. Um, I'm continually humbled. Sometimes I'm like, did I really go there? Um, looking at all the great things that happened, um, but I feel so lucky that I did. And again, just continue to be incredibly proud of what the Academy continues to do because it continues to evolve. You know, the Academy of 2021 is not the Academy of 1998 for sure. Um, But as society has evolved, it continues to evolve. And uh, yeah, I I love it just so much um, and continues to be the single best decision I ever made for myself.
1: Well, we uh, we echo that. So before I let you go, very simple two questions. What's going to be the final result on Saturday? And are you going to be able to attend the game?
3: Uh, I'll start with the latter. Unfortunately, no, um, I will not be there. Although listening to the intro here, uh, perhaps I will make my way down to Annapolis to Red Red Bar or Dry 85. Um, because both of those sound like fabulous options. Um, but I will say, and I, it's funny. I think back to all the times as a plebe that you had to take Navy. Um, so I think I was programmed early in terms of um, you know taking taking the side of, of, of the home team there. But I really am betting for them this time. Um, not actually betting because that would be against NCAA rules. But um, in all terms, figuratively uh, betting on them. I think we've seen over the course of the season that they have they have the pieces. I'm just not sure we've put them all together in one game, but I think if there's a moment for us to do it, it's now. Um, and I think this team, you know, they've played an incredibly difficult schedule and, and I think Army is a formidable opponent, but I think this has prepared them for, th- that schedule has prepared them for this game. So they have nothing but opportunity. I don't foresee it being a lopsided game, um, but I do think that that we can gut it out. And um, as, as we all say, we have not yet begun to fight. So I'm, I'm rooting for the home team for sure.
1: All right. Well, we love that prediction. Jen Baker, the athletic director at Johns Hopkins. Thank you so much for joining us from the great class of 98. And I'll say it right now. One, we want more. Uh, We're going to have you back on the pod. So this counts as number one. I can't wait to go one, two. We want more in the future.
3: Uh, I'm all about it. And I'm happy to report. uh, We just announced our schedule, but we've got Navy back on the schedule this year for lacrosse in the spring. Um, So super pumped about that.
1: There you go. Hopefully, it's uh, right around the same time as the croquet match because not that that uh, weekend needs to get any uglier. But yeah, let's let's keep it all on. <laughs> I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> all right, that was Jen Baker. Everyone, we're going to go to break. Stick with us. This is Six Simon sports.
0: If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner. Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Katani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football, and then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast, and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So, in addition to sing second sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pot.
1: All right, hey hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, What a great segment we have in store for you here. It is our uh, grab segment, and we are joined by Lieutenant Junior Grade Suzelle Thomas. Uh, If you have been reading the news lately, uh, Suzelle will be reporting to Fighter Squadron Strike Fighter Squadron One Twenty Five in Lemoore um, with Yeah, as the fleet replacement squadron for the F-35C Lightning. Um, According to the Navy release, this is the first woman to go directly from earning designation as a naval aviator to postgraduate flight training in the F-35C Lightning. That only means that Suzelle tried very, very hard to laterally transfer to public affairs, wasn't (laughs) able to happen. So, you know, what's out there? Well, it's the f 35 So all kidding aside, Suzelle, number one, congratulations on your selection for that. And number two, walk some of our listeners through, you know, the process when you got down to primary, um, you know, was this something that you had in mind or did you just kind of fall into it? Walk us through your last couple of years as a naval officer.
4: Sure. Yeah, John. Um, So I got down to Milton, Florida to start primary flight training and I honestly explored all the options, like all the different platforms, helos, jets, P8s, yeah, E6s, really all of them. And um, I ultimately wanted to go for jets. And so during primary training, every flight and every simulator, you're graded. And then at the end, you put in your dream sheet, you know, just like any other community. And then ultimately, they select you based on your cumulative score. So then I found out that I selected jets and I then went to Meridian, Mississippi training wing one, um, to start intermediate jet training. And then you move from there to advanced jet training. And I honestly didn't really know much about the F-35 going through. It's sort of interesting how they don't really talk about the next step when you're in, um, advanced jet training, it's kind of just completing that part and uh, getting the wings and then you think about everything else afterwards. Um, so ultimately people you know, sat me down and talked to me about the different capabilities and the future of our community. So I decided to throw my name in the ring for F-35s and was lucky enough to find out that I was selected at the end when I got my wings of gold.
1: Which is freaking awesome, uh, by the way. And, and again, I, I'm a huge fan of observing some of these things and And in the last six months, actually, it's probably three months, you know, we've had a female Rhodes Scholar announced from the U.S. Naval Academy. We had the announcement about you with the F-35, and Kayla Barron goes up into space. Um, You know, all athletes, um, all members of the Naval Academy, and I know that there are some schools out there that can claim that amount of uh, spread, you know, through areas that are that impressive, but... You know, I I just think it's it's a wonderful indicator of what the school creates, and and that's people of character and consequence. The physical mission is a huge part of that. Um, so Suzelle, walk me through. You were a women's cross player, you weren't necessarily like, you know, the star of the team, but you were involved in in the physical mission. What did the physical mission mean to you and how did it shape some of the work ethic that you've had to apply now in the aviation pipeline?
4: Oh my gosh. It was a huge part of everything I've done since graduating. It was, and it is funny. You're right. When I was at the Naval Academy, I, you know, I went there to play lacrosse and was recruited and everything. And that was my dream. And then youngster year, I suffered a knee injury and I ended up having to get four surgeries on my right knee over the course of a year and a half. And after all that, I tried to play again, and I got hurt again and just wasn't in the cards if I wanted to try to commission regularly. But, you know, Cindy Temschel and Gabby Capuzzi and the rest of the coaching staff at the time, they wanted to keep me on the team. We had just created such an amazing bond, especially with my class of 2018 and just with the whole team. That And it's funny, even though I wasn't able to physically play anymore, if you had seen us walking around the yard, you never would have known who was a starter and who never saw the field. Just that's the bond that our team was able to make. Um, and, you know, going through flight training, you have good flights and bad flights, just like anyone has good days and bad days. And they, I can remember, and it's funny, when I selected F-35s, I texted Coach Cindy Timshall and I said, you know, Coach, during my worst days and my hardest flights, I would think about the freezing cold practices on Farragut Field, in the snow, you know, 10 degrees outside and all of us freezing. And I would think, you know, it's not as bad as that was. And if I could do that, then I could get through the flight or whatever the part of training was.
1: What?
5: Well, I am the absolute wrong member of this podcast team to be asking the questions. We need Ward Carroll, who is our resident naval aviator to bring the very intelligent questions but i'll just say this it seems to me that a significant number of former navy women's lacrosse players are flying jets and i know for a fact that saint mary's graduate in annapolis local mary rudham was flying jets is that not correct somebody told me she flew over navy stadium one time do you know if that's the case
4: she is a complete badass. And she, I've actually not met her in person, but uh, it's funny you mentioned her. I reached out to her when I was deciding whether to put F 35s or to, to go for Super Hornets. And because she has actually flown both. So she flew the F 18 and then the 35, and is now back in the 18 for her department head tour. Um, and she went to Top Gun and everything. So she has been an incredible resource for me. And it's such a testament to the Navy Women's Across Alumni Network that someone I, you know, years apart, we never played together, but she has been there every step of the way and so willing to help, even though we never even went to school together. So it's pretty amazing, the alumni network that we have.
5: That is great. Um, And so talk to, I am a ignoramus and Ward Carroll would be embarrassed that I am asking questions, but can you tell those of us who are, you know, novices and and uh, not experts why the F35 is such a cool platform what's what's so special about it etc i'm grasping that it's a new rollout
4: <laughs> yes i mean in in layman's terms it's you know it's the fifth generation strike fighter so it's the newest generation of strike fighter that we have and what makes it so special is just the leaps and bounds of capabilities that it's able to bring to the fight so it's you know in terms of the super hornet right amazing air to air air to ground capabilities but the f-35 comes and just brings it to the next level of what the aircraft can see in the air um, and the sort of sensors that it brings and also the fact that it's a joint strike fighter you know the air force has it marine corps has it and the navy in their own variants and just the ability to blend tactics and work together in a new way um, specifically in the strike fighter community.
5: Well, I'm glad I asked the question because I think a lot of our listeners are not as learned as some of the naval aviators like Ward. Um, so <laughs> one of the things I know about the Super Hornet was that it, the new version is so much bigger than the previous. Like it was noticeable watching Blue Angels this year when the the, 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 play, the jet is so much larger. Is this even larger than a Super Hornet or is size not matter? It's more about mobility, intelligence, capability, that technology, etc.
4: <laughs> you know, I think that it's comparable in size, maybe slightly larger, but if you look at them, you know, if you were just Google them, they look, in my opinion, vastly different and it's because the F-35 is, has the more stealth capability. So in, in the sense of what the enemy can see it's much easier for them to pick up a Super Hornet than an F-35, and that's why it kind of looks more spacecrafty, if you will. I, I, you know, I, I truly don't know much about it yet. I'm sure that they will give me more information than I even want, but that's what I see when I look at the differences between them.
5: And is it strictly carrier-based, or do they do land-based uh, you know, missions?
4: That's a great question. So the, the F-35 Charlie, the Navy's variant, can land on an aircraft carrier. The Bravo, which is the Marine Corps variant, can has the vertical takeoff capability, so they can take off from the Marine Corps amphibious ships, the smaller carriers, if you will. And then the Alpha variant that the Air Force has just can land on a regular runway. But, I mean, all of them can land on a regular runway. It's just the ability for the Navy's variant to take the force of landing
5: on a carrier and launching off. Well, thank you so much for giving us a, a F-35 for dummies and Ward, Carol, <laughs> when you listen to this podcast, I apologize. Don't scold me. I'm sure if I'd listened to one of Ward's YouTube channel episodes, I would know all this, but it was great to hear you say it. So thank
1: you.
4: Of course. There'll be a uh, prono quiz at the end of this podcast. So I hope oh. that you're
1: <laughs> <laughs> taking out the prono quiz. Chris, go ahead.
0: So... First of all, it is so great to hear you talk about naval aviation. Um, You're such a great spokesperson for naval aviation and for the the Naval Academy. Again, I I feel like this is becoming a broken record, but I have to say it. I mean, talking to grads of all years um, is such, you know, it's so exciting for us and it's why we do this podcast. Um, so I, I want to commend you on uh, j- just being a great representative of, uh, of Naval aviation. Um, in that vein, how excited were you to see the fly Navy uh, uniforms and for for Naval aviation to get the love that it's getting uh, this year at the Army Navy Games?
4: Oh, my gosh. So cool. I mean, they're just objectively cool. You can't lie. Just the, <laughs> the uniforms are really awesome looking. And just the fact that it is such a you know, tip of the hat to Naval aviation and specifically the Super Hornet, obviously, which was really cool to see. Um, I think everyone can kind of have a sort of romantic, you know, view of Naval aviation, thinking about Top Gun and everything. But, you know, it's pretty cool to just kind of spread that. And I, I love every year how creative they are with bringing in different parts of the Navy. And it was cool that Naval aviation got their year this year. And every year is awesome. And I can't wait to see what else they keep doing with that because I think it's such a great, you know, part of the Army Navy game every year.
0: Before John asks you your prediction for the game, um, well, you said <laughs> you, you said you were on leave in San Diego. I assume that you'll you'll be out there. You're not going to come to New York City. H- how are you going to watch the game this year?
4: Oh, I mean, everyone who has any affiliation with San Diego knows that I will be at Shore Club because that is, of course, the tradition in. Uh, I was hoping San Diego. you would say
0: that. I was hoping you would say that.
4: Oh yeah, there's a 6:30 a.m. march on that occurs, I guess, from somewhere in you know Pacific Beach down to Shore Club, and I'm sure there will be plenty of alumni there to celebrate together.
1: Oh man, that. Uh... <laughs> You want to talk about PTSD, Cervello? Like talking to uh, Jen Baker before. I remember an Army-Navy game with most of the class of '98 out there, where all sorts of stuff like Brian Claremont, Artie Laveras, Jimmy Drew, um, and man, there there was uh, there was there was debauchery. uh, Had (laughs) I I don't remember the result of the game. Let's just put it that way.
4: (laughs) Well, the legacy lives on. I'm sure we will not. I will not let you down and keeping that going.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Suzelle, I'll, I'll ask you this. What is your fondest memory uh, of the Army-Navy game? And then finally, what what will be your score prediction?
4: <laughs> um, you know, of Army-Navy week in general, I just loved the pranks. I thought that they were done in such a good spirit, you know, whether it was the cadets who were visiting or blue on blue in the hall. And I just remember one Army week. I honestly think it was the day before the game, which was very tactfully planned. But coming back to my room and my mattress was removed. There was a tarp in its place filled with water and goldfish. And just, uh, you know, obviously kind of an annoying prank and I didn't have anywhere to sleep. But just the fact that, you know, the plebes had gone through that amount of effort and set it up nicely. And then we all kind of had pet fish, which I don't think was exactly allowed, but uh, I just loved all the pranks and seeing what people would come up with. Um, And then my, uh, my score prediction, you know, let's, let's see a shutout. Navy. let's, let's really put them in their place this year.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's now that is the first shutout (laughs) prediction we've had. And uh, I like it. That, that is, uh, that is not frowned upon. Well, Suzelle, I'll tell you what, you got up early in San Diego. You joined us. You've been a great sport. We wish you the best of luck going forward. And, and from us to you, thank you so much for being such a great representative of the Naval Academy.
4: Of course. Thank you so much for having me on.
5: All right, She's guys. You're great. You know, I think, uh, I think Cindy Timshaw is crazy enough to ride in the backseat of your F-35.
4: Oh, she would. Absolutely, <laughs> she would. With a lacrosse stick in hand.
1: Yeah, you've, uh, Wags has created a monster there because I know that Cindy would do that in a millisecond. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Suzelle, good luck the rest of the way. We'll be re- rooting for you. And, uh, yeah, as always, go Navy beat Army.
4: Go Navy.
1: All right. That was Suzelle Thomas out there in San Diego in the F-35 pipeline. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our next guest. This is Sing Second Sports.
0: a special thank you to our army week sponsors academy consulting dry 85 and red red wine bar the montana 3000 podcast she lexus of annapolis the graduate hotel in annapolis and allegiance flag supply please visit our sponsors either in person or on the web and a special thank you for all of their support during this great week and throughout the fall sports season.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is our new coaches segment. So we are so happy to be joined by new assistant coach for the women's golf team, Kylie Sullivan. She was announced as an assistant coach in July of 2021. So she's just really getting through her first six months here on station and already making a difference. It's good to have someone else, you know, with a nice smile, checking you in at the golf course, making sure that you get your tee time out before all the old guys are slowing you down. Um, I'm going to let Kylie talk about herself a little bit more as a golfer, but I can tell you that she was a member of the women's golf program at Oakland university. She was a second team all horizon league performer, and now looking to get back into the D one world after coaching a little bit in Michigan, she is now with the women's golf team. So without any further ado, Kylie Sullivan, thank you so much for joining the podcast and walk me through from July to today, what's your experience been like at the Naval Academy?
6: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, You know, it's just been a fantastic experience from day one since I've been here. Everyone has just been so welcoming. And honestly, I just I really love the environment of being around the Naval Academy and being around the midshipmen and and just seeing what they go through on a daily basis. And it's really just been a great experience. and And I love the culture here for sure.
1: So if you can walk me through, I mean, we've had Nadia, the head coach um, on in the past, uh, but we haven't had a real good summary of what your past fall season was just like. Walk me through how the ladies did. What were, what were some of your favorite memories of their performance? And what does the future look like in terms of players coming back and how it's going to look like in the spring?
6: Yeah. I mean, so they were coming off the horizon league champ or sorry, the horizon, the Patriot league championship there um that they won in the spring which was fantastic that was the first one for the women so we were really excited about that and then this fall it was super successful um we won the Bucknell Invitational by I believe it was 39 strokes which is a it's a huge margin there that we had um and then we had a couple good runner-up finishes played well at our home tournament and it was really an impressive season you know I know that there's always things that can be improved on um you know always things that we can tweak here and there but but going into the spring, we're feeling really, really good. Um, we have all our girls returning for the spring, and that's our, that's our championship season there. So we're really excited, and hopefully, you know, we're hosting the Patriot Leagues here at Navy. Um, so I have a little bit of home course advantage there, and we're hoping to make a, another good run at it.
1: So you talk about the home course advantage. You arrived at Navy right after the much-ballyhooed um, renovation of what I think is one of the best golf courses in Maryland now. What are your thoughts of the golf course? Had you played it before the renovation? I assume not, but now that you've gotten to know it, what's what's really special about that track?
6: This golf course is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was not able to play it before the renovation, but I can tell you that, like you said, this is one of the most incredible golf courses I've ever played. But it is—it's no walk in the park. You know, our girls always say, you know, it's one of the tougher courses that they play throughout the year, and and I would agree with it. You know, there's just some subtleties to it that make it a little tricky. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a little bit more open on the front nine. That back nine tightens up a little bit. You got to be a little bit more precise off the tee. But uh, I would say one of the really challenging, challenging parts of this golf course are the greens. Um, you get on the greens and there's just small little breaks here and there that sometimes, you know, if you don't have the course knowledge, maybe you don't catch all the time. Um, and so, you know, it's really important with our course knowledge that, you know, where to miss on the greens and where you want to hit the ball on the greens so that you're leaving yourself good looks at birdie with realistic option, you know, realistic possibilities of making that.
1: So I don't want to hurt your credibility in case any of your players listen to the podcast, which I hope (laughs) that you've impressed upon them that they are supposed to do or else (laughs) they get fried for a major, but what is your best score so far uh, having gone through the track, having been here now for about five months?
6: Oh, gosh. At the, well, I'll tell you, you know, my best nine hole round, I think I was about even par. Um, But I'll tell you that back nine starts to get me a little bit. So I think, you know, a couple over par, you know, mid 70s, I I don't get to practice as much as I used to. So that's what I I try and give myself a little bit of a break there. But uh, I can tell you these, watching these girls out here, I think they've kind of they a couple times could whoop up on me for sure.
1: I'm sure that Chet is very happy to hear that you're doing more coaching than you are playing, but I'm the <laughs> same way. Uh, I, get, I get past number 10 and then all of a sudden 11, 12, and 13 eat me alive, as, uh, as our <laughs> friends of the pod can attest. So walk me through where your love of golf came from as you were growing up. How did you happen upon the sport? And then walk me through what your most memorable round was or experience was as an undergrad playing as a D1 golfer.
6: Yeah, you know, so I, I started playing golf, um, probably around the age of seven, my dad always played and my next door neighbor, who was my best friend, he played. And so in order to hang out with with all of them, I had to learn how to play golf. And so we loved it. You know, I we uh, in our backyard had a putting green that we had kind of put together and built a little makeshift golf course, golf course out there, which was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, I've always loved the game of golf. I just think it's such a great sport to where you can Meet new people, and it's a game of integrity, and I just think you know, just the tradition of golf is really just fantastic. Um, you know, my favorite memory—gosh, it's so hard to pick. I loved all of all of my college career. Um, you know, I'd say just per, you know, at the conference championships, always just the environment there, having all the parents cheering you on. Um, you know, you're just really rooting for your teammates, and so you know, probably one of my final rounds uh, as a college golfer that just really sticks out in my memory just because it was, you know, it's, it's, it's just a special time and you get to be with your teammates and, you know, this is kind of some of the last times you're going to be doing it. And so it's just, a, it's a really fun experience.
1: So let's get right to the point. It's Army week. This is your first Army Navy week. Um, what <laughs> have you learned from your players and what have you learned from the community here about how intense this rivalry is? And are you attending the game on Saturday?
6: Yeah. So unfortunately I'm not going to be able to make the game and I'm super bummed because obviously, I mean, it's a bucket list item, I think for most people and, you know, it's just even people who aren't in the Navy community or the army community, it's still just such a huge game. Um, so obviously, you know, it's, it's such a fun, a fun game and I'll definitely be watching, um, on TV. Uh, but I know, you know, it's, it's a really important game here and I know everyone's super excited, obviously. Navy's gonna pull out the win. I have no doubt. Um, believe in our guys for sure. So I think it's gonna be a great game, and I'm excited to follow along with it. I'm, I'm, you know, really bummed that I can't be there, but I'm excited to
1: follow along and see what we can do. You grew up in Colorado Springs. Yes. Did you ever, or have you ever rooted for the Navy or for the uh, U.S. Air Force Academy?
6: I did. You know, I grew up an Air Force fan. I did, uh, <laughs> and I still oh. still love. You know, still a fan of Air Force. But obviously, when it comes down to it, Navy's my top, my top team there. So even when, you know, we had the Navy Air Force game this year, it was, I was cheering for Navy. I had my people back in Colorado Springs weren't too happy for, with me, but uh, I was definitely going for Navy all the way.
1: All right. Well, hey, Kylie, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us the good juju for beating Army on Saturday. I like the prediction. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Um, and thank you for doing what you do for the, uh, for the athletes at the U.S. Naval Academy. And We can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much. I had a blast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Kylie Sullivan, the assistant coach of the women's golf team at the U.S. Naval Academy. We
2: are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our next guest. Time to beat Army. We'll be right back. All right. Hey, hey we are back on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. We have a special treat for
1: you during Army Navy Week here, and what better way to ring in Army Navy Week than with uniform reveals, and for me, the best part is the spirit spots. Now, as you've heard me say time and time again on this podcast, one of the highlights of my three years there as the PAO was getting to work with Ryland Chewy. Uh Ryan was class of 16, came across my desk uh, after Jenny Erickson said that, You know, she had talked to a midshipman who was really good at Spirit Spots, wanted me to take a look at one, and the rest is history. And if you've never seen one of Rylan's Spirit Spots, then you're probably living under a rock. But Rylan, number one, uh, welcome to the podcast. Number two, walk us through your latest Spirit Spot, which I think is downright brilliant.
7: Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, John. Great to to connect uh, with you, you know, once a year now, it seems like. Um, So the latest Spirit Spot uh, came to me, actually, uh, in the idea from my skipper, um, Captain Rafael Miranda. He's a class of 98, and um, he is uh, civil Engineer Corps, and we were chatting one day because I had a different direction uh, this year. I I was kind of thinking um, a music video, uh, something that I haven't done in a while, but I I know uh, generally is pretty well received. Um, But then he goes... Hey, you know, the squid game, it just sets us up perfectly. And I I said, sir, I, I might have to steal that idea. He said, "Uh, please, please do. So, um, obviously Netflix this year, uh, had that huge hit squid game. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you've seen it, I, if you haven't, then to take your words, you're probably living under a rock, but, um, it's a uh, great uh, South Korean series on Netflix and um, obviously playing off the, the the idea that, you know, we uh, in the Navy are sometimes called squid or squids. So um, I said, maybe I can uh, flip this and uh, make a Navy spirit spot out of it. So and that's exactly what we did.
1: So in all of your work thus far, and I know that I'm asking an artist to grade his own painting, which is probably sacrilege, but... Yeah, you know, all of your Army Navy spots, and you've done Air Force spots. We did NapTown Funk. Um, yeah, you know, but of the Army Week centric spirit spots, what was your favorite? And if I remember correctly, my favorite, which was the Pillow Fight one, were were we ever able to put that out, or did uh, Admiral Carter nix that because we were afraid of the Pillow Fight thing angering Army? there are two videos
7: that I waited until I graduated to release (laughs) and one of them was pillow talk. um, And then the other one was the shake it off video uh, with, with Taylor Swift. So, um, Obviously you, you remember both of those well, but yeah, pillow talk was a fun one to make, but also very touchy when I first
1: released it. I remember, yeah. So if people don't remember uh, right there, and I think that was your youngster year, Rylan, um, West Point went through the, you know, kind of the catastrophe of this pillow fight that they would do. Um, and it came to be, like, known that people were putting batteries and other, like, hard objects in these pillowcases. And they were wailing on each other. And there were a bunch of kids who, like, I mean, it's no laughing matter, but got head injuries and some pretty serious injuries. So Ryland had an amazing spoof on it that uh, Admiral Carter, to his credit, was like, hey, I love this. It's genius, but we cannot poke them like that. That actually crosses a line. So uh, I thought that was your most brilliant one. But um, other than pillow talk of the ones that went out there, what one got the most like views on YouTube?
7: So, you know, my, I guess the, uh, the, the one that everybody kind of knows um, hopefully um, is Naptown Funk. And that's the one that's often brought up, but Naptown Funk, when we created it, if you remember, John, um, it wasn't really a spirit spot. It was just kind of a, a, a video that we wanted to do yeah. uh, and we're fortunate to create. So I don't know if I can put that in the spirit spot category, um, but kind of towards the top of the spirit spots, when we're talking about that um, definitely is kind of the OG and, and I think, is my favorite only because it's kind of the one that started them all uh for me it's we give a ship and so you know obviously that one was back in 2014 i think i came to you all with like a small little script and i said this is the idea that i have um and and now i think it's just shy of about half a million views um, which is awesome and i think you know, views aside, I think the coolest part is honestly getting to meet you know everybody within the Navy community um, and even outside that too. You know, kind of all of the service family um, and everybody will you know just kind of jokingly kind of quip off, "Hey, I give a ship," you know. Um, and, and for me to to have that uh, relevant still today, you know, almost what six seven years later, um, I, I'm just super grateful.
1: Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, I go back and watch a bunch of the videos uh, just for fun. And if you want to see all of Ryland's videos, um, which are absolutely amazing, and they don't just involve spirit spots, uh, Ryland's uh, YouTube channel has 14.1,000 subscribers. Take that um, word, Carol. And Naptown Funk, the video alone, has 8,300,000 views. Uh, so please go, uh, to his, uh, YouTube page, watch the Navy squid game, uh, spirit spot before, uh, this coming army Navy game, Ryland, before I let you go really easy, uh, questions for you. What's your favorite memory in your four years at the Naval Academy, not just making spirit spots, but what's your favorite memory of the army Navy game or army week?
7: Oh man, I have so many, I have so many, um, I think the, the, my favorite memory is, you know, I was, uh, would do photography at the Naval Academy too, uh, for lucky bag. And so, uh, typically during those games, I found my way down to the, to the sidelines and, uh, I would always, you know, chat with you and Jenny Erickson, but, um, the coolest thing was just kind of being a witness to all of the history that goes on on that field. You know, you have, um, all of the major administration, uh, leadership and, uh, and people down on the field and just kind of getting to be a fly on the wall, watching that happen was, uh, uh I was super fortunate and, uh, and, um, and those are probably probably the greatest memories that, and also, uh, my youngster year when it snowed and then rained, it was miserably cold. So those <laughs> two are at the top of the list.
1: <laughs> that's, that's for sure. All right. Well then what is your prediction for Saturday and what are your viewing plans uh, in San Diego in order to watch, uh, Navy bring home the victory.
7: Let's see. So, uh, my predictions, you know, I, it's going to be a tough one. It will. And all I am uh, hoping for is a, is a good football game and definitely us taking the W but, um, as, as far as plans, I'm actually going to do a first, uh, first time ever. I've never been to shore club to watch the army Navy game. So, um, shout out to shore club, which is like the, you know, uh, reunion house over here in San Diego, but uh, I'm going to go there and, and give it a watch and, and hang with a lot of friends. And I think a lot of classmates will be, a, it'll be a great reunion, especially since my five year was supposed to be this year, but obviously COVID, um, delayed that to some unknown date. So it's going to be a reunion of sorts and, and definitely, uh, excited to watch some Navy football.
1: Well, we'll have to get you some uh, sing second gear to rep there on Saturday. You're now the second guest during Army week to say that they were watching the Army-Navy game there at Shore Club in San Diego. Keep an eye out for, uh, I think, class of 18, Suzelle Thomas of uh, women's lacrosse. She was just in the news as the uh, first female selectee for the F-35 Lightning Uh, program to get placed in that fleet replacement squadron so keep an eye out for her and let's get you some sing second gear so you you can rep it right
7: right on sounds good john thanks so much
1: all right ladies and gentlemen that was rylan tui let me spell it for you so you can search him up on youtube first name r-y-l-a-n last name is spelled t-u-o-h-y rylan tui watches videos he's a genius we're gonna go to break when we come back we're gonna